Welcome back to the Georgia 2022 show. My colleague, Christine Dolan, my co-host, is on the advanced team in the Ohio State House right now, setting up our coverage of the primary coming up. We are also uh, headlining an, an event at the Ohio State House with Children's Health Defense and Bobby Kennedy. So we'll be hosting a dinner uh, Monday or Tuesday night and then an all-day event at the State House Wednesday, which is going to focus on essentially combating some of the VAX mandates for children that the Ohio legislature is trying to push through. We'll also be doing a live show uh, from the jurisdiction regarding the primaries, which are on Tuesday, May 3rd. So it's going to be a, a big next few days, uh, but Christine will be involved with me in that. So uh, before we get started, by the way, we've got a great show today. First, I've got Richard Barris uh, from Big Data Poll, who's going to go through how all the polling in Georgia has been coming out recently, whether it's real or not, uh, how the polls are set up and, and what the biases are and what you should look for. And also our CD Media Big Data Poll, which is our second one in Georgia, is going to be going on this week. We should hopefully have the results next Sunday. And we're going to provide some real polling, not biased polling. We've got a very good history of doing all this. So um, basically that is coming. So I'm actually getting a, 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 hold on, I have to resend this link to Mr. Barris so he can come on. One second. So before we get started, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, which is sleep. I have uh, I have co I had COVID in June of 2020 and have had long COVID since, and I have real trouble sleeping among other symptoms. Insomnia is one of the symptoms. And so I went to mypillow.com and I ordered the mattress topper, the sheets, the duvet cover, and the, uh, the, the, the blanket or the comforter and, and, and the MyPillow. And so now I don't have any trouble sleeping. I, I lay down, I work hard all day and I, I get really tired at night and I lay down and I basically wake up. So this has solved my insomnia problem from COVID. So I'm really happy about that. And uh, you can do the same. You can go to mypillow.com and use promo code CDM to get the maximum discounts. I called MyPillow the other day and asked, what are the best discounts you have right now? And they said, well, go to our Giza sheets, which are 60% off starting at $39.99, I believe, which is a fantastic deal. They're very regal sheets. Uh, you feel fantastic sleeping in them. And the comforter is like going to grandma's house and, and sleeping under that comforter she used to have on her bed. So and the mattress topper is amazing. It, it's very firm, but it's also like sleeping on a cloud. So you have the mattress topper underneath you, the regal sheets above you, the comforter, the duvet cover, and then the my pillow, which really helps with sleeping by keeping your head supported. But it's it's also very soft at the same time. Fascinating technology. So we are waiting on Mr. Barris to come on. He should hopefully come on here in a second. What we're trying to do with the Georgia Record is bring you amazing coverage and investigative coverage that you're not going to get anywhere else. So we're going to continue to grow the Georgia record and the Georgia 22 show and all our offerings in Georgia. Besides Mr. Barris today, we have uh, Dan Schultz of the Precinct Project, who is going to come on. And Dan has been instrumental worldwide or nationwide, excuse me, getting people involved from the grassroots of the Republican Party in the grassroots and bringing some public representation to the elites that have been running the party nationwide for a long time. And this is why we're in the election fraud and election integrity issues we had in 2020. And Dan has been very instrumental in, in rebuilding the party from the ground up. He's a West Point grad and attorney, 
and extremely knowledgeable. So Dan is going to come on and talk to us about that. Uh, he'll be on after Mr. Barris. And then finally, we have a treat for you later in the show, two grassroots patriots who have essentially fought the good fight at the grassroots level in Georgia. We have Susan Uppersuth, who was elected to the Fulton County GOP, but then had it taken from her. She will talk to us about what's going on. And we also have Sarah Thompson from Chatham County Patriots in Chatham County. And she's got some horrific stories also about fighting the party for representation for Patriots. So we're still waiting on Mr. Barris here. Um, he should be on shortly. Next week on the Georgia record, the Georgia 2022 show, we're going to have David Perdue, which would be a fantastic interview. And we're bringing up some other guests to support him on the back end um, and basically talk about things that uh, you're not going to get anywhere else. I know that uh, John Fredericks has been running around the state in his bus tour. We may have some information on that. Uh, but we're also going to bring on some other uh, patriots, basically, to tell you what's happening in the state. So with that, um, I'm going to hold on one second while I call Mr. Barris and find out what's going on with the show here. I apologize, guys. Well, I'm just going to talk about what we're going to do in the Georgia poll. So the Georgia poll, big, oh, here he is. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Mr. Barris. There you Sorry. go. Live show, man, real time. The camera was like going like this, and I'm like, what is going on? All right. All right. So we got you. So uh, look, there's been a lot of polls. And by the way, uh, Rich has been one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate pollster for the last several presidential cycles and has been, you know, told as such, and very, like with Tucker and others who have brought out his expertise because he doesn't have a lot of the bias that other people have. So, Rich, welcome to the show. But tell us what's going on in Georgia because we've had a lot of polls out. I don't, I'm not sure they're real. Tell us what your thoughts are on the Purdue-Kemp race especially. Yeah, just a little context, too, on that. Georgia's a funny animal because it has been changing, right? So in the recall, uh, uh, excuse me, in the uh, runoff when you had Purdue uh, go again, go against Ossoff and Loeffler against Warnock. Um, I'll tell you, you know, Todd, uh, what I saw off the jump was that there were just voters very angry about how the election was conducted. Purdue and Loeffler did not stand up for Donald Trump. And there was a, uh, you know, chunk of uh, voters, about 30% of Republicans, you know, who said, we don't want Democratic senators, but this time we're going to make them pay the price for staying home. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what happened. And I, you know, I argued that that is what uh, gave, uh, you know, Purdue a slight deficit in our polling and what gave Loeffler a larger deficit. Um, there are others who have, you know, gone around on shows saying, Todd, that, well, we, uh, you know, we, we were the only ones who predicted Georgia. That is not true. Uh, you know, they had it flip-flop, Loeffler would do better than Purdue. Mm -hmm. Maybe Purdue would hold on, but Loeffler would lose. We were the only ones who had Purdue and Loeffler losing with Purdue doing a little bit better, but still coming up a little bit shy. This is a funny race because, and I'm curious to see what we find when it's all mm -hmm. done for CD Media, because I, I do see some indication uh, that this could happen again. The last mm -hmm. time we conducted a poll together, there was about, again, 25, 30% of Republicans who said, I don't like Kemp. And mm -hmm. come the election, if uh, you know, if Kemp is the nominee, I will not vote for him. 
So what I worry yeah. about with some of these polls, you know, University of Georgia had a pretty decent record last time. But what I'm worrying about here is that they're gaslighting Republicans. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, there That's was too many about. Republicans who said, I don't like Kemp and I won't vote for him, period. And well, people will say, yeah, well, it's either that or it's Abrams. Yeah, they don't care. It's my point. They're right. at they're at the point where they they feel like somebody at some point has to be punished. So yeah. we'll find out when we're done. But the only thing Kemp has going for him is that there was an anger towards Purdue as well. So it's like, you know, there it, it just I'm not sure it was as heated. You remember uh, Vernon Jones? Uh, it was he benefited greatly in the polling question when we asked if Donald Trump endorsed so and so, then yeah. what would it mean for your vote? Kemp barely moved. The rest of them barely moved. Vernon Jones screamed to first place, remember? Um, yeah. But that was it. It was just Vernon. So we'll see if Purdue benefits or, or whether he doesn't. So do you, gonna... do you think that they, the other polls, I mean, have you looked at their, you know, their underlying data? I mean, are yeah. they, are they biased or are they, uh, I, I have a hard time believing that Purdue is 25 points behind Kemp. I mean, you know, I, even I just... in the, uh, the, the pre-debate Emerson poll, uh, yeah. which I would argue Purdue wiped the floor with Kemp in the, in mm -hmm. the first debate, uh, especially, uh, but in the pre-debate Emerson poll, it wasn't as far as some of these other pollsters have found. Uh, and also, when the first round of voting was tested, Kemp was below that 50% threshold, which he needs to avoid a runoff. And then when asked in a head-to-head, -head, who would you vote for, only Purdue gained. And mm -hmm. in their poll as well, it's worth noting, in their poll as well, Herschel Walker was leading Warnock by almost an identical margin that we found. Almost right. identical. What it tells me that the University of Georgia poll had Warnock ahead of Walker by about four points or whatever it was. What that tells me is that they are having a hard time finding all Republicans, which mm -hmm. would absolutely impact how their primary, uh, you know, how their primary numbers look. But again, we'll see. We'll see in a yeah. few days, right? I mean, we're yeah. going to find out. Um, I just think that I, I'm so I'm very skeptical. I am, and and. I'm, again, I'm concerned, and if you're a Republican voter in Georgia, you you damn well better be. I'm concerned that they are not telling you about that 30% of Republicans that will not vote for Kemp. They're yeah. not doing it. That's what they told us last time. Maybe they came around, Todd. I don't know. I'm skeptical. I am skeptical. What, what do you see with polling nationwide in general? Um is it the same repeat as last year where they're just not to be trusted essentially because they're so biased? And then, you know, when, when we come out with a poll that's radically different, I mean, that won't get any attention because they don't want to report that. Are, are you seeing the same thing nationwide yeah. in this cycle? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it certainly has not stopped. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's got, has it gotten somewhat better? Yeah, I guess, but it, it hasn't mm -hmm. stopped. They have no choice, but to reflect a first term incumbent midterm environment. So some of them are, yeah. you know, are, are conceding a little bit. But look, look at Virginia, Todd. I mean, we, mm -hmm. you know, we, we did polling together in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Youngkin clearly took the lead. He clearly took the lead. They just refused to budge, uh, you know, all the way down to McAuliffe plus one, um, you, know, you know, with electorates mm -hmm. that just were never going to materialize. Mm -hmm. When it comes to this week and then even some poll that was released today, this week was really bad again for Democrats and you've had – a consensus that the Republican lead in the generic ballot is somewhere between the mid single digits and even low double digits, which would be a complete disaster and a wipeout for Democrats. 
Um, ABC News, Washington Post, after embarrassing themselves with a Biden plus 17 in Wisconsin, they just dropped the Democrat plus one today yeah. on the Folks, I don't know how badly I would have to manipulate the data to get Democrats a lead on the generic ballot. So um, what are we going to poll, Rich, uh, coming up? I know we've been going back and forth on some of the questions. Wh where are you going to focus yeah. on? Because the CD Media Big Data Poll, this is our third one. It'll be out yep. uh, you know, in the next 10 days or so. What are we going to look for? So we're gonna we're, we're gonna do primaries and some of the generals. Uh, but we we I did get a lot of requests, which I brought to you about. Are you know a mm -hmm. lot of people are ignoring some of those other statewide races: lieutenant governor, attorney general, insurance commissioners. I guess that's because um, you know Mr. Witt's campaign. I you know uh, P and Donald Trump endorsed him. So I guess people want to know whether or not that's helping him and just not helping Purdue. They want to do some mm -hmm. comparisons. Um, of course, we'll do the Senate. I'll, you know, we should ask, but I think that the primary in the Senate uh, on the Republican side is a foregone conclusion. Um, but we'll we'll also test some of those generals. If Purdue wins, how does Purdue do against Abrams? If uh, Kemp wins, how does he do mm -hmm. against Abrams? Uh, mm -hmm. And and then also, like we talked about, Republican voter trust of their party leadership, right? Uh, oh, and Secretary of State. I know people are screaming right now. What about the Secretary yeah. of State? Yeah, of course. We'll do that, too. Um, but, yeah, I, there there's a lot of distrust in, in the Peach State right now among Republicans. And I think if we ask those, Todd, it'll certainly help us identify whether or not, again, these media university pollsters are not telling the Republican primary voter about a very serious weakness in their current governor's position. Even the last poll we did. Had mm -hmm. Kemp above water by six points, approved plus six. But the, it came from almost a third of Democrats, you remember? Almost a third yeah. of Democrats approving of the job he was doing. It didn't come from universal Republican support. And you had almost as many Republicans saying, we can't stand this guy. Um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but it, it will be a nice size poll. It'll be very interesting. Rich, talk about uh, big data polling, because uh, you were the most accurate, if I believe, in 2016 and in 2020, and you're not really getting the attention you deserve. I mean, why won't, for instance, real clear politics put you in their average of nationwide you know, Nate, polling? Nate Silver and I have had it out. I hate to even mention the guy's name, but, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I could have come and done things a little bit lighter, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't come out, uh, you know, saying I want to do things the same way everybody does it. In 2016, it was very controversial how we polled because it was supposed to be. The entire mm -hmm. argument that we were making was that you can uh, do panel design with the same large sample of interviews uh, and re-interview at least a third of your sample could be repeat interviews. Mm -hmm. And and the point we were trying to make was these wild swings, if you poll uh, you know, Ohio one day and it's Hillary plus five. And then you pull again and it's Trump plus three. Those are artifacts of the poll. Their, their methods of collecting data create what we call artifacts. They, they're, they're errors, built in errors. A response bias, by the way, is what mm -hmm. I'm referring to. You're not getting a different response because the electorate is changing. You're getting a different response because people at different times will respond to, you know, uh, to, to surveys at different rates. So mm -hmm. you're just getting so many more people that day that identify as a Democrat or so many more people that identify as a Republican. In our polling, 
for instance, when the Billy Bush tape came out, which was a very, this was, this right here was a central point in a point of contention back then. Our polling didn't really move when the Billy Bush tape came out. Trump mm -hmm. dipped a little, Hillary rose a little, but by 72 hours, it ironed out and it reverted uh, to, to, well, each candidate reverted you know, to their typical range, which by the way, Trump's range was always higher and wider than Hillary's always. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And generally speaking, everybody else saw Donald Trump collapse. That was not real. That was a, a response bias. It was people who are Republican were like, oh, and when a pollster called, they didn't want to talk. It's mm -hmm. why Mitt Romney suddenly led Barack Obama after the first debate. He never led Barack Obama. After that first debate, more Republicans were proud about his performance and they wanted um, they wanted to, um, you know, they, they wanted to speak when Democrats did not. Mm -hmm. I, I will say this years ago, you know, all of them over there, Tom Bevan uh, as well on Real Clear Politics. Oh, we can't take you. That's a panel poll. That's an online poll. And I would say that's not a traditional opt in online panel poll. By the way, Reuters can, uses Ipsos. That is the Amerispeaks panel. I mean, it, it was this was always a, a lame excuse, but we told them that those were poorly designed online surveys and everything that we were doing, they have been behind us a year or a cycle, two cycles. Um, you know, what they called us fake for doing mm -hmm. is what the AP and Fox News dropped exit polling to do. The mm -hmm. voter analysis that Fox News does is based on the principles of 2016 polling we did. Large panel surveys, same people, um, you know, down to the wire to election day. So, Rich, Very same um, methodology. you've been involved with CD Media for a decade. Where did we, I think we met when we were both working, writing for the Brenner Brief. I think, I think that, yeah, that I was, was an assistant editor. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, that was, uh, God, that was over a, a decade ago. ago. So <laughs> yeah. you helped us design our sites and you, and, and I know that your, your methodology and your, uh, your way of doing things is spot on. So, um, you know, we, we need to really, we want to brand the CD media, big data poll and make it uh, a household name that people can trust. So the, the third yeah. iteration of this will be out this week and, and we'll continue this through the election. So uh, thank you for coming on, Rich. We want to have you back and uh, possibly we're doing some coverage in Ohio next week for the primary. So maybe we can bring you back then, but thank you for your time. Yeah. Sounds good. My friend, all the best. All right. I'm going to bring Results on uh, matter. Exactly. So look for the CD media, big data poll people coming out. Thanks, Rich. Take care. See you soon, guys. Bye. So I'm going to bring on Dan Schultz now of the Precinct Project. Uh, I think he's a well-known figure. Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Todd. Appreciate it. So look, uh, you're a West Point grad. You're an attorney. Uh, and you have been instrumental in really bringing the grassroots back into politics in the GOP across the country. So for our audience who may not this first time seeing you, give us an overview of what you're doing uh, and then we'll focus on Georgia if we can. Okay, sure. Um, well, my site is precinctstrategy.com. That's short for the neighborhood precinct committeeman strategy. And uh, that's what I started out calling it the neighborhood precinct committeeman strategy. Precinct committeeman is the lowest rung on the power chart, but really the power chart's upside down. Precinct mm -hmm. committeemen are up here and they elect everybody in a 
political party apparatus. And I and I use the word neighborhood precinct committeeman strategy because think of your voting precinct, or in some states it's called election district, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a small boundary, usually about two two to three thousand voters of whatever party. My precinct voting precinct has a little over uh, a thousand Republicans in it. So I have 10 precinct committeeman slots. I'm in Arizona. That's the way we're structured. We get one precinct committeeman position for every 125 Republican voters in a voting precinct. And then what we do, what the precinct committeemen do, the reason it's such a powerful position is we are in the best position to get out the vote in the all important primary elections. Primary elections generally are very low turnout. And if you can boost the turnout in a primary for the candidate that you favor, that you can maybe win that primary. And I've done that for a guy here, an Air Force Academy grad back in Mm -hmm. 2016. I think I told you about him. His last name happens to be Schmuck. Frank Schmuck from the Air Force Academy. He's a Southwest pilot. He wanted to run. He had, this was his second attempt to run for the state legislature. And we had a sitting rhino. Uh, bad dude lied to us. Guy named yeah. Jeff Hale. Well, we did a ground game. We boosted turnout in every, in every precinct as best we could with personal contacts to the voters, a phone call and followed up by a, a flyer. We boosted turnout. Frank won in a landslide, 53 to 47%. He was the only candidate to take out an incumbent rhino in a primary that season in Arizona. So that's one thing we do. We boost turnout, and then we do it again in the general election. The second thing we do is we are the party, and there's a power vacuum in the party. And I explain all of that at precinctstrategy.com, and I also have a short book that I wrote. Um, which you can uh, look at and uh, purchase through Amazon via the site. Just go to precinctstrategy.com and look around. You'll see where the, the where my book is as well. But precinct committeemen elect everybody in the party hierarchy all the way up to the RNC. So if we want to change the RNC, like if you're happy with the, with the Republican Party, if you're happy with the Republicans in the U.S. House and Senate, you're happy with the Republicans in the state legislatures who won't don't do anything about election integrity. If you're happy with all of that, then don't do anything. The best way to change everything is by becoming a precinct committeeman. And we start by taking over the Republican Party, electing better Republicans and then in the primary and then helping them win in the general. So that's the precinct committeeman strategy in a nutshell. There's about 400,000 of these precinct committeeman slots in the Republican Party nationwide, and only about 200,000 are filled. So there's a power. Is it, is it still, is it getting, I mean, you, you mentioned there's been some progress. There's there been, been a little, movement of the needle. <laughs> there's a, there's been a little bit of progress. Um, uh-huh. So, for example, in here in my county, Maricopa County, ground zero for election steel, right? Dominion machines used. Right. can be used again. So we have after the 2020 primary, when we we fill our precinct committeeman slots via election in the primary election. After the 2020 August primary, the most important election in our lifetime, we only filled 36.5% via the election. And then since that time, we've boosted it 
so that we, we have 72% of our slots filled right now, 72%. That's a great progress. But what happened? Well, all those people that got appointed to a vacancy, all they had to do was fill out one piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Saying, I want to, uh, I, I live in my precinct. I'm a Republican and I want, and I'm a registered Republican and I want to fill a vacancy. We got up to 72%. Mm-hmm. But now going into the 2022 primary election, <clears throat> the, the, the window for getting on the ballot, either your name on the ballot or running as a write-in, that ended on April 18th. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we are only going to fill 40%, not mm-hmm. 36.5, but this time 40%. So we had a little bit of a boost in terms of people doing the necessary to actually get on the ballot. But that now, if if you don't if, if if you didn't run and you don't get elected, you have to wait until 2023, and then, oh, pretty please, county chairman, appoint me to a vacancy. And if whoever the county chairman is, they don't have to by statute appoint anybody if they don't want to. So that's why you want to run. So we've made a little bit of progress, but there's been progress made all across the country in various states. And you mentioned Georgia, been mm-hmm. a lot of progress in Georgia. A lot of progress and in Florida and in New York and, and you know, name the state. There's been a, a, a lot of progress, but not enough, in my opinion. So it really depends on the state and the jurisdiction as to. It, it depends on we, the people. It depends yeah. on each one of us who are all of you listening to this. Go stand in front of a mirror. Mm-hmm. That's who's going to save the country or not. Yeah, that's simple. It's we, the people. The framers said it in the preamble in big letters. We the people are are ordaining and, and and creating this constitution for the United States. And we the people now now we the people, the current we the people, we have to make sure that we elect people who take that oath of office seriously and will follow the oath and enforce the constitution instead of ignoring it. It's up yeah. to us, the voters. So- so you're saying we had some success getting in the in some of the slots, but were you talking about people running for office or running for the actual? No, pre- running for, running for the position of committeeman. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We're so, only going to our Republican Party in Maricopa County is only going to ha- be at about forty percent strength after August twenty twenty two, the August second twenty twenty two uh, election, and moving forward, that means instead of having, oh, uh, you know. Uh, almost well, more than two times the number. See, we get one state committeeman mm-hmm. for every three elected precinct committeemen. Hmm. So you can run for state committeeman at the organizational meeting of your legislative district and then go on to the state meeting if you get elected. I've been a state committeeman. My three kids have been state committeemen. And then you get to go there and elect directly the state chairman who serves on the RNC. So how do these elections actually ran? I mean, I, I went through one recently, but um, it was quick and dirty. I mean, are, are, is there an ability to like contact the people on the committee prior to and tell them your how you what your oh, positions are going to be on? I mean, should people get well, a little homework? I guess is the question. <laughs> again, it varies from state to state. So yeah. here, and and it depends on who's in charge. So. Yeah. What you've got to do is try to network. You you can always get from the uh, a, a printout of the voters in your mm-hmm. voting precinct, the ones who would vote for you. But mm-hmm. in a state like um, Georgia, I believe you guys have a caucus system where it's all private. So you went to a caucus meeting 
and you mm -hmm. showed up and there was a whole bunch of people there you didn't know and then you you made a pitch i, I want to run for a precinct delegate yeah uh, and and then if nobody else showed up for your precinct you you would win by default but if there were other people there you were you had to like, hold an election yeah yeah hold a hold an actual election for the number of slots that are available and then moving forward to the next meeting where you elected people to be on the county committee and then maybe go to the state committee mm -hmm. uh, again it's who you knew and you yeah. make a pitch and, you know some people create a small flyer so like what we do at my legislative district organizational meeting now i've been doing this for like since 2007. most yeah. of the people know who i am and and if thankfully many of them will vote for me but it, it depends on the makeup of the people who show up the way to make our party more conservative is to get more conservatives into it and and that's what the precinct committeeman strategy is all about which I explain at precinctstrategy.com. So let's talk about Georgia. What, what have you, you've had your ear to the ground in a lot of these states. What, what have you seen go on in Georgia? You know, we're going to have a couple guests on next. Uh, Susan Oprasuth from Fulton and Sarah Thompson from Chatham County. Um, what have you seen happen? Because there's a lot of, I guess, frustration on the grassroots and uh, almost uh, arrogance from the elites in the party leadership. And it, it's caused some real problems. What, what have you seen in Georgia? Um, well, what I've heard about is earlier this year, uh, the people running your state party mm -hmm. decided to announce that, you know, the, the precinct delegates that we really don't have them after all, because our party is actually a limited liability corporation that we just mm -hmm. created. And, uh, don't you know that that's where all the power resides and all this other stuff really doesn't make much sense um, and really isn't important at all. Well, of course, that's poppycock. Um, it's outrageous that they did that. And there was then from the grassroots, there was huge, a huge outcry. And then they said, well, you know, we just said, nah, we didn't know what we were talking about. Forget that, you know. So, yeah, so they basically came out and said, we have no members. There are that, no members to the GOP. That's what they, yeah, that's, as I, I read what so they wrote. You don't have any sway to try to do yeah. what you've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's not true at all. Mm -hmm. um, and what not, you know, there are state statutes that regulate the parties that get ballot status. The Republican mm -hmm. Party could do this if they wanted to. The powers that be in it, they could say, "Well, mm -hmm. we're not going to, we're not going to allow our candidates to, uh, we're not going to, we're not going to do the the." ballot status party stuff anymore we're just going to run our candidates as write-in candidates mm -hmm. you, could, you could do that uh we're going to get to the point i think soon where um with social media and everything and everything that the parties that as we know them won't be as strong and powerful maybe when mm -hmm. somebody like a donald trump comes along and says i everybody knows who i am you know we're, we're uh, you know uh and if you want to vote for me write me in on the ballot for whatever position I'm running for. We're going to, we, we may get to the point where everybody's going to run as write-ins, but until we get to the, that point, the two political parties are extremely vital for electing our elected representatives. Pick a party, get involved in it. If you're a conservative, if you're an America firster, get involved in the, in the, in the, our party. And, um, uh, and, 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 you know, we've got a, You've got in Georgia, in um, oh heck, now Douglas County, 
mm-hmm. Douglas, a guy named Daniel uh, Wiley. Mm-hmm. He, he saw me on War Room early last year with Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. He liked what he heard from me. He said, you know what? It's time for me to get involved in politics. And he showed up and he got elected as delegate. And then he decided, I'm going to run for county chair. And he, sh- he showed up at that meeting and he, he, he talked to all of the other people that he got to become precinct delegates in their in their other in the other precincts in the county, and he showed up and he got elected county chair, yeah. and and all the rhinos who were were first they elected the county chair, and when he got elected to that position, all the establishment rhinos who had been in the other positions like vice first vice chair, second vice chair, treasurer, secretary, they all announced we're not going to run after all, and they left the meeting. And so new people got elected. It was a ball and went home, huh? They did. They did. (laughs) So it's all about showing up. And if enough America firsters will show up at all of these uh, local committee meetings as a starting point Mm -hmm. and get involved, we because there's that power vacuum. Over half of the slots are vacant on average everywhere. Let's let's America firsters. Fill those up. I explain how to do it at my site. I've got something for every state. Anything I can find that's helpful to people on learning the process, I put on my site. Like I've got some good stuff for Georgia, for example. If I like uh, Texas, some states have, uh, they call them precinct chairs in Texas. There's a precinct chair handbook that the Texas Republican Party has on their website. You can download. I've got a link to that on my site read the read the handbook it's not long uh arizona i'm pointing over here to all of my documents that i use Mm -hmm. for doing this precinct committee and stuff one of the documents in a folder over there is a short maybe 25 page precinct committee handbook for the arizona republican party that explains how everything works um that's what you need to do you need to get involved learn the ropes learn the basics and then start recruiting others to join you become a leader, become a recruiter, become a recruiting machine, and let's change the Republican Party and change it into an America first party, not the globalist party that it has become. So you've made a comment before, I've seen you on other shows where you said they're not going to like you, they're not going to welcome you. Um, Go into that a little bit, because we've seen that in Georgia in a major way. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's all about you know, who's in charge currently. So unfortunately, in some counties or some local committees, like Connecticut, Massachusetts, they don't have county committees, they only have town committees. You'll show up maybe, and if you've got, you know, if you've got stuff on like I'm wearing right now, Make America Great Again hat, a flag yeah. shirt, uh, they're going to know right off the bat you're probably a Trump supporter. And if they're not Trump supporters, and there are a lot of Republicans who were not Trump supporters here in Arizona, most of the Republicans or many of the Republicans, let's put it that way, in the party who were in uh, positions of of, uh, responsibility, like the state Mm -hmm. chairman, some of the state officers, some of the county chairs, they were not Trump supporters and they were not Trump. So if you showed up at, at all by yourself, you show up all by yourself wearing all your Trump gear, they may do their best to discourage you for, to get in, to getting involved. So it's better to to go in first and just say, you know, just wear regular clothes and say, and they'll ask, why are you here? Why do you want to become a precinct committeeman? 
And what you should say is what's absolutely true. I'm a good Republican. I want to elect more Republicans and I want to help the party and, and leave the rest out and just yeah. get involved and lay low and get involved and then figure out who the other people are. And then when it comes time, for example, to run as we do uh, at our organizational meetings for state committeemen, what we do, we, the America Firsters is, you know, years ago, we would call ourselves constitutional conservatives and right. we'd create a slate of candidates and we'd hand out that and we'd try to figure out who are the other people who think like us and who are the people who, well, let's call them rhinos, Republicans in name only. Yeah. We would we wouldn't hand our thing our, because we knew that they weren't going to vote for us. And then all the people we didn't know, we'd hand the flyer for them. We'd say we, we'd, so then we transformed ourselves into calling us the deplorables. And mm -hmm. then they knew immediately, okay, you're a Trump supporter. And, uh, and we did pretty well. We got to the point where we were, it was about a 50, 50 split. So we'd get about half of our people to become state committeemen. Well, now, most of the people in my legislative district, I would say 85% are Trump supporters. So now yeah. we, we, in November, we will probably have our slate deemed the, um, the uh, America first candidates. Tell, tell us real quick, because uh, you had some uh, kerfuffle going on in Arizona. Where does it stand with the precinct project right now? Because they tried to outlaw you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they did. Um, and it wasn't going to work. Um, what happened was uh, somebody passed a bill somebody the somebody being the state legislature but but uh, yeah. the counties that ha, ha, the 15 counties have an association and they have a lobbyist and they wrote a bill that basically said for this election in 2022 in we're not going to make the counties run the primary election for precinct committeemen the party and each party instead will the county chairs will appoint uh, one precinct committeeman for every precinct and period. Well, there's a couple, and they did it on an emergency basis in one day and it passed unanimously in both houses. And then the governor signed it in one day. Well, well the problem was it was unconstitutional because they didn't follow the procedures and Kelly Ward, our state chairman hired an outside law firm and filed a lawsuit asking for an injunction um, and, and asking it to be found unconstitutional. And they did that up in Yavapai County and the, the Yavapai County judge found it, found it to be unconstitutional on a variety of grounds, including it being nonsensical. It was mm. so stupid, nobody even really could tell what it said. So that yeah. went away. But the interesting thing about it was, and I told Kelly Ward this right after it, it, uh, it got passed, is this it could be a silver lining for us because what we could do then is first, they can't tell a county chair to do anything. They, the state legislature and the state government has no jurisdiction over our political parties in terms of what we do internally. Mm -hmm. And they can't order a private citizen who happens to be a county chairman to do anything. So I said, it's just ignore it. There's no enforcement yeah. provision. And there was no enforcement provision. They couldn't do it. it that would have been unconstitutional. So I said, why don't we just do this? Let's hold private caucus meetings like they yeah. do in other states and do it that way. But we don't now we don't we won't have to do that after all because it got struck down. So nothing's changed. And uh, we're going to use the primary. We are using the primary. I'm on the ballot. Well, mm -hmm. actually, in my case, I'm going to be elected again <clears throat> because in my precinct, the way it works is we have 10 slots. 
Mm -hmm. There's 10 of us right now. All 10 of us submitted our paperwork by the deadline. Nobody else did. Nobody else in the two-week window thereafter decided to run as a write-in, which we could have, they could have done. So we, when you have 10 slots and 10 candidates or fewer, by statute, we're all going to win by default. Yeah. We're not actually print a ballot. We have 935 precincts in Maricopa County this go-round because of redistricting. They changed some of the boundaries. So we had 700, and I think it was 748. Now we're up to 935. Of those 935 precincts, there's only 28 Republican uh, actual elections that are going to take place because in only 28 cases, there's more candidates than there are slots. Interesting. Yeah, so it's like it's not going to be a lot of work for the, you know, the uh, the county after all, and it never was because two years ago it was essentially the same thing. I think then there was only maybe 10 out of 748 yeah. uh, precincts that had a contested election. Everybody else was winning by default, like I did that year as well. So, in fact, I've, so, never, I've always won by default. We've always <laughs> either had the uh, uh, just the right number or, or fewer. So, so real quick, um, and we'll bring on our other guests, but you've joined CDTV, which we're very proud to have your precinct discussion uh, live stream every day from five to six or six to seven Eastern, I believe it's live stream yeah. on Getter and also Rumble. So, yeah. um, and uh, tell us about your 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 show every day. During well, the you, I usually have I usually have on with me Carrie Donovan, who's a writer and a friend of mine. Uh, we met uh, like we never met in person; it's all been mm-hmm. through the internet. Uh, but she she understands the precinct committee strategy, and she's. Mm-hmm. Uh, big proponent of it. She's written some articles about it and me over the years. And uh, so she's got a, some, a real good perspective from North Carolina, and she knows people just like I do all across the country. And so we've had on guests. We had on a guy named Steve Carr, a brand new precinct committeeman in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's got its share of uh, challenges, just like we do everywhere else. So what we're going to try to do is start having on more guests who can talk about um, their experience in their particular state and then encourage people to get involved and point them to the resources like my site, precinctstrategy.com, so they can get involved and learn how to do it. And then, you know, uh, you know, today I'll have six or seven or ten emails to respond to from people all around the country for um, just they need help. So I'll help them. Dan, thank you so much. We advise people to go to yeah. uh, TV and find your show for that commute home or the trip to grandma's house or whatever. It's it's a great way to get involved in politics. And we'll have you back on as the elections get closer. Thank you very much. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So now I'm going to bring on Susan Opersuth from Fulton County and Sarah Thompson from Chatham County in Savannah, who are grassroots patriots who are going to tell us a little bit about their interactions with the GOP in Georgia over the last uh, couple of years. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. It's been a whirlwind, I'll tell you that. And only kind of after the fact have Sarah and I been comparing notes um, while we were independently, you know, struggling and both our counties were struggling, we mm-hmm. came to find out, boy, there's a lot of um, kind of rinse and repeat and same activities using same tactics. So 
Uh, we felt that that would be helpful for those who are actively working in the party right now, working so hard, um, and there's many, many, many of them, that um, by having some of the background information of what we experienced for those beyond mm -hmm. our, my in my case, uh, candidacy team, um, it would be helpful to them. But I just wanted to say for those that might not know that um, I was the, the duly elected chairman for the Republican Party through the assembly's um, second and only valid vote. And then- In Fulton um, County, correct? I'm sorry? In Fulton County, correct? Yes, in yeah, Fulton yeah. County, which was dramatically appealed after the assembly and not there in place with any kind of objection, but afterward an appeal by my opponent and now incumbent Trey Kelly. So we went through um, the hoops, so to speak, and many of the different committees and um, ended up in the end with a, a third vote that did not entail the same delegates as the, the, the original April And it was an electronic vote too, correct? It was an electronic vote, mm -hmm. but by um, Chairman Schaefer's own admission, it was not a correct vote list and we had to work together to form the correct list which uh, in fact never occurred um as hard and arduously as my campaign team worked on it and i i mean that's all they did for like months we got close but couldn't get close enough and um so anyway i can talk a little bit later down in our the kind of the outline that um sarah and i formed um let her introduce herself and i'll, I'll talk more directly about that if you don't mind yeah, Sarah is a grassroots patriot in Chatham, extremely active, and uh, has brought out a lot of things that are uh, nefarious going on down there. So welcome, Sarah, and tell us uh, briefly what you're going to talk to us about. Yes, and just to be clear, I have left Chatham County, um, uh, but, but I continue because of the harms that occurred during our two years in Chatham County after we mm -hmm. left military service. Mm -hmm. I, I still, my heart is with them and the things mm -hmm. that we experienced together. Unfortunately, um, in an appeal recently just ended in February and we are in Bullock County now. And unfortunately, Todd's seen a lot of the same things, um, mm -hmm. wash and repeat that Susan was just referring to. Yes. Yeah. So Susan, tell us what happened to you. Well, um, I, on April 17th, I, along with um, a slew of new patriots, attended the, attended the Fulton County Republican Party um, ele election or, or convention, I should say. And basically what happened is we ended up with a nine and three quarter hour convention, nearly food or drink. So these people mm -hmm. were dedicated. They were dedicated for change. And the first vote occurred, um, the most amazing thing was they used the old tiddlywinks, which many people have heard about. Now, this was the responsibility of the incumbent of my um, opposition, if you will. And uh, Mr. Kelly was responsible for running this convention. And what happened is they, the tools that they used, rather than ballots, which we requested, hand ballots, they had game, actual game pieces, that we called them tiddlywinks, mm -hmm. and um, red solo cups that had no chain of custody. They walked around the room. They were never declared empty to begin with. It was just a circus. And in fact, many people had said to me that they looked over at me and I was just kind of standing there, or sitting there rather with my mouth hanging open, which must have been mm -hmm. lovely. But I was just astounded. And I really didn't even quite, I, I hate to say, 
I don't want to say take it seriously because it was serious, but I just couldn't understand it. I was very naive in hindsight. Mm -hmm. It's taken me about a year. I've not been um, out much. I, you're the only person I've spoken to publicly about right. this. We appreciate happened. that. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your um, desire for truth in that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need here. We don't need someone else kind of confusing things. It mm -hmm. wasn't as confusing as they wanted it to be. The first vote required 166 votes for either candidate to win. Mr. Kelly received 165 blue votes. I received 164 yellow votes. And the um, convention chairman and the cabal, as I can call them now because I have plenty of documentation to feel comfortable mm -hmm. saying that it's a strong word, decided to give two errant color votes to Mr. Kelly. They were light green. So when they give him those votes, as is stated on a video that I think I sent to you, I, I have it on video. It, it wasn't, the word given wasn't used, but basically that was what happened. Yeah. Then he, Mr. Kelly ends up with 167 votes to put him over that minimum 166 for either of us to win. But so the only way he reaches that minimum is with using two colors that are not his own. Additionally, then someone, an experienced person came from the floor, made a question of the, the election and said, wait a minute, we have 330 delegates and with your 167 and 164, you end up with 331 votes and therefore this should be an illegal election. Yeah. Well, they 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 kind of they had to take it from the floor. The people, the assembly was so strong that they ended up having to do the revo with no objection from Mr. Kelly at that time because I he knew the fever of the room. He wasn't going to be successful with any sort of objection. So he oh, let me jump in there. Essentially, they were passing around cups that nobody could see into, and they ended up totaling up the the votes. And there were several like miscolored tokens in the cup. Two, right? to be yeah. clear. Yeah. Two miscolored tokens, and the way Mr. Kelly won is they gave him those two. And that's yeah. in a recording that I have, a video, uh, with a chair. Somebody could have just slid those in there easily. You, well, well, then also, you have, uh, to your point, you have an overvote. There were 331 yeah. votes, and um, we only had 330 delegates. Mm. So it, it's much deeper than this, and, and I could speak about that in and of itself, which mm -hmm. I know Sarah, I think, had luck some other things that we wanted to talk about. But the, the point was the assembly took control, said, whoa, 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 we are going to have another vote. Mr. Kelly did not object at that time. And we had another vote and we used the same tools, the same tiddlywinks, because mm -hmm. these were Mr. Uh, Kelly's tiddlywinks. This is how he planned the convention. And we used the same tools, but a totally different method, which the reporting, the minutes that came out later to the state committee didn't state those things. They made it they either clearly just lied or omitted that information. And, um, but it was, it was much more organized. We were single file. You, it, all the votes went into a clear vessel on the stage. Everyone could see it. So it, it was the same tool, the same tiddlywinks, but totally different chain of custody election where I won right. by 24 right. votes. So, so you won the second time by 24 votes. By 24 when votes. There, when there was the more transparent, fair process. Absolutely. In fact, at one point during the counting of the first votes, people actually asked them to turn the lights up because we couldn't see very well. So wow. we had lights on the second vote. We had chain of custody um, and um, we had transparency. And I right. won by 24 votes. Wow. 
but you didn't become the Fulton County GOP head. No, so in what fact, happened I did. After that? Yeah. Well, Sarah, I think, is here to talk about that, too. Um, so many things happened after that. And as I said, it's taken me a year to get my um, head around how systemic this is, how this is a um, there's criminal activity going on in this organization. And again, yeah. I say that with much reserve after a year with um just volumes of um, documentation. Sarah's got volumes of documentation. I mean, people say to me, my family say, aren't you afraid to say these, these words that Sarah and I are speaking today? And I said, well, at this point, there's so much information outside of myself that this sounds crazy, but if something were to happen to me, there's proof all over. We just haven't brought it out. So, and I can vouch that you and I have talked offline and you were very hesitant to come public just because you wanted everything to be correct. And you wanted, you actually, you wanted the people that were involved not to be disappointed and, and discouraged. You wanted them to continue in the process. Absolutely. So, and they were so confused. I felt like a mother, I'm, I'm obviously not a, a young woman, I'm a grandmother, but I felt like a mother hen. And it was just really hurt to see them deliberately. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of getting off our outline here, but deliberately deceived. I mean, I wrote a, a letter to the delegation when I David Schaefer also said, just keep Susan as acting chair until we're completely through the process. None of that happened. But and and so I wrote a letter and then they took it down. I never had mm -hmm. access to any of the um, office or data or website. Mm -hmm. So I wrote my congratulatory um, letter to the delegation. And the next thing I know, Trey Kelly comes in with Betsy Kramer and they and, and the cabal, as I call it, they just took it down. And so the delegates couldn't hear from me. And then when I tried to communicate with them with a new database using the name, like a, a similar name with Fulton County, so people would know what it was, Betsy Kramer um, wrote me an email, which I have saying, look, if you don't cease and desist using the similar name, we're going to, you know. Yeah, she she was the interim head after they kicked you out of basically. They, they right, put her for in. about three yeah. weeks. And during yeah. that time, she defamed me. She's And she's now interesting enough. And the reason why Sarah and I are here is there this whole rinse and repeat thing. Now she's running for House District 50. So it's like this reward system. But um, at the time, she wrote uh, information to the delegation saying we're looking for Susan's list. It was never my list. I had to get credentialed in that um, convention, Todd, just like you would or Sarah yeah. did. I didn't have that information. It wasn't the, it's the incumbent that ha that runs the convention. It and I should say, we, we offered uh, Betsy uh, during a DeKalb County meeting last year to be interviewed and she refused because she said, we, you don't, we don't know what you're going to ask. Yeah, said, well, and, and, so, and again, I don't know what you're going to ask today. Sarah said to yeah. me, do you want to send Todd questions? I said, no, I think he'll just, you know, I, I trust him. He'll yeah. navigate it. I don't care what you ask me. But again, yeah. light shows truth. And that's very telling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she was intricately involved. And now she's, you know, running for House District in the 50th against a patriot who, by the way, as we all know, has a difficult, a little bit difficult time, you know, getting with funding and organization and that. She's a great gal. And mm -hmm. you know, hopefully we'll get her there. And it's, and then finally they re did a third election, which was electronic, and they didn't have the same voting list that voted in the, in the convention. Absolutely, and, they and, did not have it. And in fact, beyond that, this is breaking news, if you would, <laughs> if anybody cares. I have um, an email from um, Chairman Schaefer 
uh, saying to me, unfortunately, I don't have the notes in front of me. I was a little delayed today. But the essence of it, and I do have the email verbatim, I can get the words, was, do you um, want to pull out something? I, I wish I had it in front of me, but I mm. do. That's bad. But the point is, I, I had to go through with that vote. I was coerced, and I can use that word coerced mm -hmm. or drop out. And, and I have supporting material evidence. If Prior you to the third election is what you're saying. For the third election, because we didn't have the vote. I'm about election integrity. And um, we, we didn't have the list, rather. So, yeah. so they withheld information you needed to run a proper campaign. Absolutely. And think. I also needed yeah. information that was, as I said, we're getting beyond. Yeah, we also needed that to run. Um, we have plenty of time. Don't worry about it. I'm sorry. So we have plenty of time. We can, if you want to go back to other subjects. So I'm not, we're, we're not on a clock here. So um, that's all I wanted to say. But oh, go I ahead. thought we were on a clock. <laughs> well, I'm just saying we can let this run longer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so to answer your question specifically, um, information is power, as we all know. And the way mm -hmm. they retain that power and close off anybody that they see fit is by retaining all the information in the list. So mm -hmm. I never got a list to run as a candidate. I never got a um, list. You know, it's all about the list. It's all about the information. Yeah, you have so, to know who to call to get the vote, right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So the third vote was an absolute travesty, really. Um, and I got to the edge where I almost didn't run and I just made a personal decision that I was going to just, we didn't, we never expected, you know, we never expected to win, mm -hmm. but I really didn't know what to do. And I thought, well, I don't want to quit, mm -hmm. which is maybe in hindsight, the thing I should have done, but then mm -hmm. I just believe there's a higher power that I was there. This was to happen because really I would not know the degree. I would not know Sarah. Yeah, I would not know the degree of this op operation. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it is deep and it is wide. And I'm not yeah. talking about all the GOP. There are wonderful, devoted people there. Mm -hmm. And Sarah and I have a great deal of respect for them. But the leadership it, it, and, and that sort of thing is um, a lot of the leadership is, is another thing. Sarah, what do you want our viewers to know? Well, first, um, a big reason why I'm here, and I know Sharon or as Susan shares these sentiments, is we 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 believe that one of the most strategically deceived bodies of people um, it, are the American conservatives. And just as we were hearing from Dan Schultz, I mean, he he acknowledged, you know, they tried to they tried to throw out the corporate thing, um, and mm -hmm. we've seen them do that directly to us as well um, in the appeals process that Susan went through after her um, election that, that to get that third election and then the appeal process that that we've undergone most recently we were in a 200 day third appeal to cheating in Chatham County that ended really tragically on February 19th at a state committee meeting well we it took us literally a full year to figure out why these processes asking for relief weren't going very well. You would think that good leadership in a party that so broadly impacts so many Georgia citizens would correct themselves and do it with the fear of God, knowing love, your, love God, love your neighbors. Come on, guys, let's do this. Let's fix it. And they just did the, the it seemed like the opposite. It felt like we were the, the, 
they were treating us as the attackers asking for correction and they then they use corporate assets to essentially crush our third appeal that ended on february 19th and just in a summary susan's committee the committee on appeals consisted of travis bowden josh mccoon binford minter sean still and john white the state parliamentarian appointed John White was part of the Committee on Appeals, which shall be a subcommittee, not just according to the state party rules, but also according to Georgia election law. The word subcommittee is really obvious term. That means that they have, they're on the main committee. And in that case, it's the state committee. And those guys were not elected. Um, they John, just appointed somebody to make a decision for them, is what you're yes, saying. Sir. Um, the most mm-hmm. recent one, um, so Sean still switched out for a gal by the name of Ashley Gillies, um, like like a month before February 19th. And she was definitely on the committee. But at the end of the day, uh, only two people, one was appointed, one was elected, and then the other three not. And the two of them were attorneys. And the fact that they brought this decision same as susan they brought this decision before the state committee on what was that june 3rd about Mm -hmm. your third election they brought the the decision about our third appeal on february 19th they did email it a little earlier in the week for a vote i mean we were shooting off fireworks like stop the vote don't vote on this this is bad and then they still voted on it and so it's it was just it was like a license to cheat in a lot of ways and and i i knew that i was actually there on february 19th in the building in the high tower it was very kind of sketchy when you think about it they have a meeting on the 26th floor of a high tower in buckhead in the city of buckhead nobody can go in i asked and on behalf of the chat and people hey can we just watch what you guys do in the meeting that day can we come in and that was an interesting little thing. Um, the state chairman said, well, um, you really won't be needed. You can, I'll find a place for you to sit outside. And if we need you, we'll call you in. And I was, that was felt, felt very strange. But he told in the report, it was like, we offered them a chance to come in. And like, we, like that we, he had given us permission to come in. And that's not true. So, mm. but we got a lounge across. Um, the hall. We were on site. We were just hoping for any good, honest Republican effort that day. Instead, here we are, you know, just this committee down in Chatham is all messed up. In fact, they cheated another vote on Thursday night. (laughs) There was a vote just, this is two days ago, assistant secretary election. They ended up with, get this, Susan, more ballot than voting. And they had to expunge the whole election, like, oh, too bad. And interestingly, Thursday night, a congressional aide was running for office. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's a little strange, too. So, too, if I may, this same um, subcom- Ill- illegal sub- or invalid subcommittee of the state committee who were not members of the state committee, these are the people that made the decision that the the first vote with the tiddlywinks, the overvote and the wrong colors was okay. 
and, and they kind of recommended we, you know, well, I, I wouldn't say directly said it was okay, but the point mm -hmm. was their recommendation had the subcommittee wasn't really a subcommittee and their recommendation had false facts to the large state yes. committee. For instance, they said Mr. Kelly had 167 votes. He did not. He had, uh, you know, he that was if you counted the two air and chips. And in that report, there was another false, several false facts. Yes. Another one being that no one was assigned the errant votes. That's that's not that they that's not true. They assigned them to Mr. Kelly. That's how he got 167. Yeah. So the point is, not only was it an illegitimate some committee, the facts in my case of Fulton County Chairman were not valid. There were false facts within, contained within the report. So how do you ladies uh, plan to go forward? I mean, what's your start with you, Susan? What, what, what are you going to do? Do you have any plans to try again? I mean, are you active in the party still? What, what are your thoughts? Well, what I've, excuse me, what I've done, I'm, I'm very active in a um, in an underground way, very mm -hmm. active, like trying to help people run and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a wonderful group of patriots that some remain inside the party, but many are working. They found it more productive to just work in parallel to the party because, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, otherwise it seemed like every step they took forward, they took three back. Um, one of the things I'm really interested in is this whole bringing it back to the local level in the precincts. So as, um, you know, Dan was just talking about, I ran on that when I came in to run, I'm like, nothing's going on at the precinct level. I mean, what's going on? Well, nothing. And so um, I'm all about that and trying to get the power back to the local levels, either inside or outside the party for now until convention. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think Sarah and I both wanted to do was to, um, I think she and I were not sure exactly how we'll go forward, but I think it's important in a much more um, strategic, organized way to help people understand the ways of the party. Yes. The, and, and the reason why, not as woe as I, or, you know, we're victims. The reason is to empower those that are working now inside the party. And they come to us and say, oh, they did this, or they did this, or what is this? We want them to understand this is the way a, leader, a large portion of the leadership works. So when you see it, you can identify it, you can be empowered by it, not intimidated by it. And um, so information, as I think I said earlier, is power. So we want to empower people by um, helping them understand the, the ways of the party. Um, that's our biggest hope. And what about you, Sarah? What do you what do you plan on doing? Well, um, <clears throat> one of the things that's very important um, is to communicate statewide. And we'll be starting a signal group called Inside GOP so people can exchange information. Mm -hmm. Now, what Susan was referring to is helping people to understand how this works. And, and we are kind of beyond the scope of it today um, to really go into each thing. But I think it's really helpful for people to understand the things that they can look out for on a local level in their counties. And there, we even have some strange stuff here. We have somebody who's told me three times that he's resigned from his precinct chair position and they still keep him in the position. And so yeah. strange things to look out for, how to overcome that. Some of the things Susan and I have discussed waiting until next year to try this again 
is not a smart thing to do. Um, to continue building and connecting with our candidates um, is very important. I do have to say, Todd, we, I know we were going to talk a lot about mm -hmm. the, how this is impacting the election right now. And I know that Susan did re mention Betsy Kramer. However, I mean, I, I spoke with somebody today that who has asked for access to the GOP data for weeks now and multiple times. And she's a Republican candidate running for our state house and the party won't give her access. So, I mean, that's something people, patriots are gonna die on the vine. It like, mm -hmm. like Susan mentioned, if they don't know how to get the help they need, how mm -hmm. to appeal, how to, how to get support, you know, regardless. Mm -hmm. um, so if this, it's, we do have a lot to share, um, but uh, going forward, it's, it's, you know, ear to the ground, mm -hmm. building relationships through caucuses that Dan mm -hmm. did a really good job describing caucus. I want a caucus culture in Bullock County, a fun Bullock Liberty caucus culture in mm -hmm. 16 districts in Bullock. And we want to know each other. Um, we want to garden together. We mm -hmm. want to go to um, events together. Tomorrow is 2000 mules in, mm -hmm. in Bullock County. And, you know, we're talking about going together. Herschel Walker is coming on Wednesday and using those opportunities to just be, spend time together. Well, thank you. Susan, do you have anything else before we jump off? Well, I, I was just going to say that um, in terms of going forward in the local groups and that, and what Sarah and I are trying to do inside GOP education is what Dan is doing and talking about in the precinct strategy is the way to go. It's the way our founding fathers intended us to to be involved, you know, to have the power at the local level. Mm -hmm. My concern after what I've experienced, seen Sarah experience and many others is that's all well and good. And you can go to do that, what, which we did in Fulton County mm -hmm. and still not be successful. Yeah. To Sarah's point about not waiting two years, we need to educate these people about the obstacles yeah. that they are going to face because doing it legally and by the rules doesn't, didn't work for us. Yeah. So we need yeah. to not let that occur again. Well, guys, thank you very much. Uh, obviously, we want to have you back down the road. And as this progresses, and uh, it's a subject we need to educate Georgians on across the board. And we'll, with that, um, you guys have anything else? Sarah? No, oh, okay. not for me. But basically, I'd like to, I'm very involved in educating in order to be successful. Yeah. I just want to thank you, Todd. I know this is your home state. And you, this is where you grew up and were appointed to the academy from. Just thank you for investing and bringing out the story in Georgia. Georgia citizens really need it. Well, we're going to continue to do that at the Georgia Record and uh, and on the Georgia 22 show. So thank you, guys. Next week, we have David Perdue on and uh, more great guests besides him. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Todd. Take care. Bye. All right. You too. Bye now.